Jack McDonald Show, Monday to Thursday, 10.30 to midnight, all summer. Well, it's that time of the year again. Uh, it's time to talk sport, and it's time, more importantly, to preview the Euros 2021. Well, it's 2020, but we have to call it... Anyway, um, Kevin Rowland is on the line. How are things, Kevin? Very good evening to you, too, Jack. How are you getting on? Good, good. Anyway, uh, a few kind of things to hone in on here, Kevin. We've got England, Italy, and Ukraine, because they are the ones making the biggest headlines right now. Firstly, when, when we look, I suppose, just a few hundred mi- a few miles away, you see England, and of course, they have this whole debacle, really, where they appear to be a little divided. So this was on TalkSport earlier today. Now, I know you're thinking TalkSport... They are. <laughs> they have a reputation, but this is representative representative of what seems like a cohort of people who feel that Liverpool should not be or are not supportive of England in the upcoming Euros. Here's a here's a clip. Hello, mate. I just want to um, say why Liverpool supporters don't support England. It goes back hundreds of years when the majority of Liverpool, people in Liverpool have an immigrant background, predominantly Irish. So we class ourselves more Celtic than English. And that's why people say, you know, Liverpool is the capital of Ireland. And that's why people in Liverpool class themselves as Scouts and not English. And we don't look at ourselves as being English. And that's why people like Jamie Carragher said those things. And that's what you find most Liverpool supporters think. But you you live in England, mate. I don't live in England. I live in Liverpool. And I'm a Scouser. What country is Liverpool in? I don't care, it's just connected to... No, 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 oh, no you, of course you do, mate. But what I mean, country is it in, John? No. What passport you got? I live in Liverpool, and I'm a scouser. I don't class myself but as John, being English. But, John, don't, calm down, don't shout. I'm, it's a serious question. What country is Liverpool in, in your mind? I'm curious. It's attached to England. The Sun and TalkSport, uh, God, uh, my sources are always pristine. Kevin, your initial reaction to that? Yeah, well, that's just kind of the thoughts of a crazy man. They're going to be rambling on. Uh, it just seems to be totally bizarre this English media hype that does seem to follow them in every single tournament without fail they find something to divide themselves about to talk about incessantly and then use as an excuse for their ultimate failure at major championships look there are many clubs and areas within England that hate uh, the English national football team and here in Ireland we're not alone and exclusive in doing so Uh, in Manchester many Manchester United fans hate the English football team and do not follow them. Uh, we're, I was talking to Damien Malloy on the show two weeks ago and he was stating how every time England fail at a tournament, it's always the Manchester United player who's, who's blamed. You know, the likes, likes of Wayne Rooney, the likes of Paul Scholes. Uh, it has always kind of been that way. And there's a huge uh, amount of animosity between the clubs and, I suppose, of the national team itself. But Look, it's one of the best times for this English team and Gareth Southgate's charges to be going into a major tournament. They are being hyped up, as is the usual case. But fortunately, I think for their fans, um, I 
don't really think they, they are going to going to go out and win it. Liverpool but, has a population of, of a few million, and the Liverpool football team are one of the most successful of the last few years. Does it not bear some thought and consideration that a place like Liverpool, and there are other areas amongst England that are not particularly excited and happy at the prospect of the Euros? Look, you, to- you totally have to get that, but you have to balance it out with the fact that there are going to be European Championships taking place. It doesn't make any uh, real difference to them and their connection to the English football team, whatever their identity is. That seems to be a major issue within the United Kingdom as a whole at the moment, and it's a wider story and scope for them. But I don't particularly see, see any chances of Liverpool uh, making a major uh, within their own city, uh, having major issues with that. Okay, well, if you disagree with Kevin, hopefully you do, you're going to text 087-935-0043. Right, um, d- uh, to kind of bring it to a lighter note, did you see Phil Foden's latest hairstyle, his Gaza-inspired hairstyle? I, I did indeed. Look, major tournament, there's always going to be talk of Gaza coming uh, in, in terms of how the media is, is going to look, look towards it. Uh, you see the likes of Sky Sports, Gascoigne himself had a very difficult career. Phil Foden himself is going under the radar. 21 years of age, you know, and at this point, the world is really at his feet. Um, he was phenomenal throughout the Champions League campaign. I think a haircut like that is only going to give him some kind of confidence. The Iceland hotel story has really disappeared, hasn't it? Well, that was a, a foolish moment for, for Phil Foden on English duty, and I believe it was Mason Greenwood who was with as well. That was, you know, quite quite an, uh, blown out of proportion. You know, we've had those issues here in Ireland as well with soccer players. They're young. They were out of quarantine or they were out of their own usual environment. And they were going to be, you know, doing things that they shouldn't be doing. And that, that's life in, in many ways. And Foden is probably tipped to have a, a phenomenal tournament himself. But whether he can even get into the squad, the embarrassment of riches there for Southgate, the likes of Grealish, of course, too. And uh, Mason It's Mount. funny that Gareth Southgate is the man to have such a wealth of talent. <laughs> it honestly is. And I, I, I do fear for England's chances having somebody like him in charge. I don't think he's a great manager. I don't think he's a, a tactician. I don't think he, he sees the game uh, in, a, in a particularly imagined kind of way. He has failed at Middlesbrough. He failed with the English uh, team in tournaments before. And he doesn't really seem to have a, a particular purpose or a goal in terms of uh, getting the team to win a tournament. There's a lot of talk of getting the lads on their side and there's been good PR sur- surrounding this English team. But um, He doesn't inspire you to dig down deep is the main thing here. If if you're down 1-0 and there's a few minutes to go, no one's going to say, do it for Southgate. Come on, do it for Gareth. They're just going to kind of throw the game away. Well, Southgate himself has very famously thrown the gate away, game away for English, uh, for the for the English team before Euro '98. He had this that penalty, and he was destroyed for it. He spoke himself at the time how difficult that was for him, having to you know deal with that that pressure. And he brings that into his role as manager of the English national team with that experience. And that seems to be why he's there. He's able to talk to players through about how to handle the media, how to handle the hype that surrounds him. And he does that very well. Unfortunately, I think his footballing knowledge and know-how isn't up to the standard of winning a major championship. 
Okay, well, it's time to turn our attention towards Italy as our second team. Now, Kevin, you know what I think of football on the continent, sheep farmers. But but Roberto Mancini may have turned that around. Apparently, he has fared quite well in his three-year stint as the manager of the Italian side. Kevin, as a man uh, who is admittedly a kind of a frog, really, for the Europeans, kind of a, I suppose, a European asset at this point, what can we make of the Italian side and what can we expect? Well, as you mentioned there, Roberto Mancini, we all would have seen him win the Premier League title with Manchester City. He's been phenomenal with the Italian national team, taking that up. Of course, he's loved in his home country as well. He is known as El Mancho uh, to, to the people of Italy. And he rebuilt that relationship with the national team and its people. They missed out on the World Cup before. We all remember as well, too, uh, the fact that they had uh, a World Cup without Italy was unthinkable for many people. But Roberto Mancini himself has managed to put the Italian national football team in a position to possibly win it. And they are tipped as favourites by many pundits. I'm not sure how it is with the bookies currently, but there's a lot of talk and hype surrounding this Italian team. And they, of course, begin the tournament tomorrow evening against Turkey in the capital city of Rome. Yeah, the the bookies currently have France as the favourites. However, the betting pa- patterns are is heavily uh, English and then French and then Italian. So, you know, um, mixed messages. Did you see this Ukrainian story? So Ukraine, for those who don't, uh, who don't follow the news, Ukraine have kind of had a they've had a political element added to their jersey that they will line out in for the summer yeah i for i have not really seen that this uh political jersey that you seem to have a, a bit of an issue here jack with is it because of an emblem that is placed uh on it well it's the the russian the via the kremlin um russia are attempting to appeal this with UEFA, I don't believe that actually that that was earlier in the week, so I don't think that actually paid off. But they were attempting. Basically, Ukraine have placed what looks like, I believe, an outline of Moscow on uh, the on the jersey, and it's supposed to be kind of, a, I suppose, a symbolism as to some of the conflict going on there. But uh, since we, since obviously neither of us are Ukrainian or Russian, I think that's perhaps left for others. Now, taking the knee, this was the big story. Of course, giving we have discussed this ad nauseum on your own program about, um, you know, and I was the first to say that this was a ridiculous thing, that they would never hold up, that the minute you got people in the stadiums, they would boo. Turns out MK Dons were the first ones to do it, and you kind of pushed it in my face. But now we've seen at the Irish game, the uh, the Hungarian fans were not particularly happy with it either. Yeah. Look, it was a comical enough moment. I had to allow out a huge laugh at the time because I had the fortunate opportunity of studying in Budapest uh, two years ago. And when you were, can you really say well, that's was, fortunate? Well, it was quite fortunate. You know, time to travel is Erasmus. It was a, a quite an enjoyable. Did you bring time. a safe? Not many people get to experience that. Did you bring a safe? <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, look. It, was a, a quite a comical moment uh, I, I found uh, because of the, the footballing relations within the, the nation of Hungary uh, the Prime Minister Viktor Orban he is a huge footballing fanatic he has come out since to applaud the uh, players of Hungary and for pointing towards the respect logo as well as calling the Irish action a provocation towards the Hungarian nation and look it was roundly booed by the 13,000 or so that were in 
the small stadium there in Hungary on uh, last Monday evening. And uh, it was um, uh, because of the fact, I suppose... Well, let's get bra- down to brass tacks. Would you Sorry? support... Let's get down to brass tacks. Would you, do you support uh, the kneel or do you support the boo? I don't support the, the boo in any ways whatsoever. I, I just kind of thought it was quite understandable that they're going to do it. Uh, I, I think taking the knee is still quite important. I think it's an important pro- piece of protesting, and it, it, it seems for to who, though? This is the, though, unfortunately. And for who, though? I mean, who who exactly is, like, like what guy in a clan uniform tunes in to a UEFA game, watches some players kneel, and, like, gets rid of the uniform? It's, it seems like a ridiculous... And, you know, even all of the surveys, this isn't just me on some sort of rant, the surveys have shown, an, I mean, an incredible drop in the support for this, the players, black players, are coming out and saying, yeah, this is ridiculous. They're kind of being made to be almost objects to be passed around by UEFA. Look, I can't be looking at it in such a negative viewpoint, Jack. The players are going to come out and, and talk against it. The ones that have done, the likes of uh, Asavilis Defender as well. I unfortunately forget his name. But it, um, the... Players themselves are still continuing with it. They would have had conversations in the dressing room. They would be aware of the fact that there are, you know, major issues and the fact that coming at a point where uh, fans aren't in the stadium and they haven't been in the stadium for the last 15 months and we have had this major protest that has lasted on and it's there as a reminder to show fans that there is still racism out there and the pernicious nature of it. Unfortunately, that receives a backlash. People think that they're not racist, so why are they being showed this? Of course, they're not racist at all. But it's talking about the kind of structural elements that that there would be. And the Hungarian nation, I suppose, is is going to have a a bit of a disconnect with that because of the fact that there aren't that many black players in Hungary. There was a player playing for uh, the Hungarian team, and he was originally from Brazil. He would be of African kind of orange uh, uh, origin and he changed his name to Orban to follow the Prime Minister's name because he has so much control and power over football there. He's not exactly a very liberal guy. He boasts about being illiberal is what he calls himself and he would be very much so on the the far right of the spectrum. Sounds like my kind of guy. Exactly. I think you should get him (laughs) on the show next time, Jack. And he, as I mentioned, is a huge fan of football. He's built stadiums in his home village just the kind of thing that uh, good, honest prime ministers generally tend to do. And he's invested usually into football in Hungary. But the problem is, no one in Hungary actually really likes football. They're more into water polo. They're more into uh, like athletics and swimming. For a landlocked nation, I was really surprised how popular swimming was. And the players, uh, the, uh, the fact that they are in a major championship and they're going to the Euros is a huge boost to the country. But it's not the be-all and end-all, as the Prime Minister has kind of made it out to be in his own kind of way of uh, being in power in Hungary since 2011. So it, it's only going to grow, really. 
Okay. Well, the opening ceremony is always something to watch. Of course, the last opening ceremony we had, Robbie Williams decided to make front page news. And you always love Robbie. Unfortunately, afterwards, he said that he gave the middle finger to the camera because he was nervous. I think, Robbie, you probably should have said, I did it because I wanted to. Anyway, uh, the opening ceremony for this year will see Martin Garrix, Bono and The Edge take centre stage. However, they will be doing it virtually. So not only, Kevin, do you not like the song but now you don't even get to see them in stadium together it appears that they'll be whatever skyping into the stadium yeah it's quite the cop out uh, nothing much they can do about it it's kind of going to be a bizarre tournament with a lot of firsts involved um, the song itself I hope they really 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 honestly do hope they do not sing it absolutely dreadful uh, it's a shame it's a sports show horrific to listen to dreadful uh, Absolutely awful Martin Garrix beats put underneath it. No drop involved. And it, it does seem like Ireland has been the uh, primary focus of the cultural element of these spread out European championships. Um, as for opening ceremonies, I don't think it's uh, going to be a fascinating watch, interesting one to, to enjoy of an evening. They're rarely that exciting. And if it's going to be orchestrated via, Scoop, via Skype or, or Zoom, then it's uh, not really one to look forward to in any great way. And what's Bono going to do but just bum me out? Fair enough. Your own predictions. As I said before, it looks like France, according to the bookies, are the ones to watch. Where do you lie? I would have to agree with the bookies on that one. I think there is no real stopping France. They have the best attack. They have a return of Karim Benzema. That's a huge boost for the entire country and, and for the footballing team, first and foremost. Uh, Kylian Mbappe as well Olivier Giroud he's scoring goals for fun he looks incre- like he's in incredible form with a real point to prove and uh, I, I, I don't see England bringing football home no chance about that the Italians could have a, a serious uh, claim but there could also be an, another outsider you know it's going to be a huge tournament for some of the smaller nations your North Macedonias uh, that, that we would mention too and uh, the Netherlands could but wait well, North Macedonia wait wait North Macedonia we're not saying that they are by any means going to win this are we I think there, there could be certainly a, a possibility why not <laughs> that's uh, re- the tournament come on. Has, has, not, has not started Sunday they're going to be playing uh, against Austria they've managed to make it to the tournament they have a 39 year old striker up front uh, <laughs> uh, you know if you Panda. tweeted that out they'd kick you off for disinformation that is ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's one to keep an eye out on. Uh, it could be it could be a fairy tale story for the North Macedonians, but Scotland too. You know, it's a huge tournament for them. Uh, Scott McTominay, Andy Robertson, a lot of confidence surrounding the Scottish team, and uh, I, I don't think they're going to win it. But I, I, it's anyone's game, really. You know, it's very difficult to predict who's going to win any tournament. The fact that it's going to be a European Championship spread all over the place, home advantage isn't going to be crucially important. But the, for the fairy tale uh, romanticism of, of the cup, I don't. Know, I, I can't really see much beyond uh, France already, because they just look to be in such strong, uh, strong position with the pairs they have. Okay, well, say. well, why it, while it may be anybody's game, there's really only three pa- places to watch it. RTE have a really a stellar. Well, in terms of coverage, they have a stellar uh, lineup. They pretty much have every game. Now, we can probably debate the... Uh, they have what it looks like. It'll be the gunslinger Richie Sadler and Peter Collins who will be 
kind of piloting most of the punditry. Keeving, they actually got in some hot water with Eamon Dunphy. Uh, what did you make of that story? Uh, well, look, Dunphy clearly has a, an axe to grind here. He was relieved of duties from RT. He was kind of difficult to deal with. And since then, he's gone on to have a very successful career in the podcasting scene with his own podcast, The Stand. Uh, I think he's very grateful to Tesco for every single episode as well. And they seem to be providing him with everything he needs. And uh, this story, the one Rishi Sadler is kind of having it, taking aim at and uh, creating kind of an issue around, look, it's, it's getting people talking. We're going to be going to be consuming all these matches through uh, RTE in the next few weeks ahead for the Euros. And I like Rishi Sadler as a pundit quite personally because he actually once came on the sports show about 2016, I believe, and he gave his analysis. He was uh, quite a pleasant man to deal with. But I also think that uh, he's very cogent in his analysis. He cuts right through the ball and he's able to articulate very well. Look, TV pundits now are restrained by the fact that they have much less time than before. There are a lot more advertisements that are thrown into the into the production itself, and that means there's less back and forth and the likes of the things we grew up with, with Dunphy Giles and uh, Bill O'Hurley. And, uh, yeah, it's it's robotic now, really. It's robotic. I, I think very few of the words they say are their own. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, there, there, there's an element of, of production, of script that's going to come with it. I don't think, uh, I, don't, I don't think that that's, that's the worst thing in the world, you know. You, you do need structure when you're going to be preparing a live broadcast like that. And uh, you, you just Even I think I'm proof that you never need any structure to do a live <laughs> broadcast. Yeah, you're going quite well. Uh, I, I, the... Uh, yeah, I don't even know what I'm saying there, to be honest, Jack. I think you must be asking me a question. Yeah, well, I suppose uh, 20 past 11 people do lose their train of thought. So, mm-hmm. our ultimate predictions, you have France, is it? France is, is my one to go with, uh, just because I think that they have the players capable. I don't see the Netherlands doing anything spectacular. Uh, and Portugal, on the other hand, they are going to start their campaign on Tuesday. Cristiano Ronaldo is always determined, incredibly ambitious. Uh, I think this could certainly be in with the shout. You know, it's a long tournament too as well. It's totally expanded. Uh, There's going to be a lot of football happening and that's something to look forward to because it's been kind of strange without the Premier League uh, since it's kind of died down for a while. Uh, there has actually no real football to, to watch over the over the next, next while. Um, Germany, I also don't think, are going to really have what it takes Yogi Love is at his last tournament he's coming was coming under pressure but it seems now like he's going to be mixing up the blend of youth and experience that he hadn't really uh, used before and had fallen out with many players from Bayern Munich and of the older generation that seems to have been gelled Leon Goretzka is a player to watch out he's going to have a fantastic tournament Champions League fans would know him from his time with Bayern Munich he's really grown and he's been absolutely phenomenal in the Bundesliga uh, in the last year so that's one player that I do think will have a major tournament and want to keep an eye out on. Okay. Well, in terms of top goal scorers, Harry Kane is the bookies' favourite with Kylian Mbappe uh, shortly behind. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Uh, it's very hard, hard to tell. Uh, Harry Kane could have a lot more to say. He's going to uh, really have to put off the shop window if indeed it's true that he, he wants to leave Watford Lane. I... 
I do not know who would be uh, maybe in a football team like that. Maybe Goran Pandev, 40 years of age. Keep on going back. Keep an eye out for him. And he's uh, a smile on his face. He's won the Champions League. I think he could do very well uh, in the upcoming Europe. Okay, well, if you disagreed or agreed with anything Kevin said, you're going to text 087-935-0043. Kevin, as always, thank you very much. And, of course, you can listen to the sports show Saturdays from 2 to 5. Yes, 2 to 5. Anyway, that is it from the uh, Euros. I'm sure many of you will tune in to watch it tomorrow. I'll, I'll see. I will certainly be skipping that opening ceremony, and uh, maybe I might travel over to some of the venues and boo the kneeing.